Rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of knowing or excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have attained already or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind, And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. God, we stand here before you needier than we've ever been. Lord, as we have concluded one year and we embark on a new year, We need your presence in our lives. We need your leading. We need to be close to you. And God, many a times our flesh is just, we're so weak and our flesh is just as overcome. And Lord, we don't walk with you as we should. We don't rest in you as we should. Father, I pray right now that you would so move upon us that this year of 2023 would be different than any other, that it would be greater, that we would seek to know you in a more real way, that we would honor you with our lives. Father, we are dependent upon you. We bow before you because you alone are holy. You alone are righteous. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to do something incredible in our lives through us, 
that you and only you can receive glory. That you alone will be magnified. Lord, if there's one that's wandered into our service or hearing my voice, watching the service on the internet, Lord, I pray, and they're not saved. May today they hear the gospel and believe in you. May they believe in you for their eternal salvation. Father, speak to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Things have changed. Things have changed culturally. Uh, Things that perhaps when I was in high school, when people would talk about it, I would laugh. I remember as a kid, there was a preacher that came to our church and he preached. And I was a young fella. And he preached about some of these things that we're seeing happening today. And I thought, this guy is crazy. He is plum cuckoo. And little did I know how true his words would become. Culturally, things have changed. Our, our country is in disarray. Many of our churches are in disarray. I watched a television special the other night on Hillsong Exposed. Hillsong was a, one of the biggest churches, and you wouldn't believe. I think there's over 150 uh, campuses well over 150,000 people and the corruption. And uh, I, I was just shocked. Culturally, things have changed. Socially, things have changed. Never in my lifetime would I ever think that that little four-inch screen thing that I hold in my hand would change things so dramatically. Our attention spans are, it's proven, We are scrollers, and now we've conditioned our minds to short snippets. We can't focus on long-term things. Things have changed socially. You go to a restaurant, there'll be people at the table, and they're all on their phones. I'm guilty. I'm I'm not uh, sitting, sitting up here casting down on people. I'm just saying things have changed socially. People don't sit on the porch, front porches like they used to. One realtor told me people are not looking for houses with front porches. They want to be in the backyard where they can be alone. Everything has changed. Financially, things have changed. Someone was lamenting that eggs are $7 a dozen at one of the stores. Things are changing. And if we're not careful, we can really become bitter, we can be absolved in it, and we can really fight and really, really become in trouble if we're not careful. There are three things I believe that are causing this, uh, this angst, if I can use that word. First of all, there's the uncertainty that's all around us. We don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. The future, humanly speaking, is bleak. Morally, when we stand with the Word of God, we are now considered to be bigots because we believe what the Word of God says and we stand with God. Morally, when we say that we stand with the Bible and God's Word rules our lives, we are called 
uh, we are called, um, what's the word, terrorists, some have called us. Morally, in our land, it is reprehensible to kill a bald eagle, yet no thought is given to taking a human life in the womb. There is uncertainty all around us. The stock market, we, we are uncertain about the stock market. Do you know that even physically, for the first time in many of years, the mortality tables have dropped? What that means is people are not living as long as we used to. Education is uncertain. I've had one or more teachers tell me I do not feel secure in my career as an educator. There's uncertainty all around us, and if we're not careful, that fear can take over and paralyze us. Not only is there uncertainty around us, there is unrest all around us. We are more anxious than ever. I am not, I'm making a statement, I'm merely making a statement, I'm not talking about it, but medications for anxiety and things like that are at an all-time high for distribution. I'm not saying that they're not necessary. That's not what I'm saying. I'm merely making a point that we are more anxious than we have ever been. We are more divided than we have ever been. Politically, we are divided. Families are divided. We are in a mess in our land. And I will just tell you this. I am an equal opportunity offender. I do not stand with one party or the other. If I'm an independent Baptist, it only makes sense politically to be independent. But I'm telling you this. Both parties are more concerned about their parties and their power than they are you and me, the American people. And that gets us unrest. I do not think anyone politically can fix this problem. And the third reason, I would say, is apathy is all around us. People just don't care anymore. People do not care anymore. I was speaking at the last funeral I preached. I had some time, and I was standing talking to the funeral director who's been uh, in this area. I won't mention his name, but he's been doing it most of his adult life. And he told me there has been a fundamental change in the way people attend Funerals and even have funerals. Things are changing. Things are changing. With uncertainty and unrest and apathy all around us, it can have a negative effect on us. Number one, we can become distracted. If we're not careful, we can become distracted. This uncertainty, this unrest, this apathy can cause our attention to move away from Christ to other things. Things that help us not think about the uncertainty. There are some folks who turn to alcohol and drugs and things in those times because they think that it takes their mind off these problems, and it doesn't. When the alcohol is gone, the problem is still there. The second thing that happens after we become distracted is they disarm us. 
We no longer stand for the things that we once stood for. Christians become silent. I think it was Burke that wrote that all it requires for uh, um, evil to prevail is for good men and women to do nothing. And so we become disarmed because now we can't speak against immorality because if we do, then we will face backlash. We can't stand up for the cause of Christ because we'll, we'll, we'll just be ostracized. And if we do that, then we lose all these things. It could even hurt us financially. It could, it could cause us to have all these problems. And listen, do you realize in a land we are, most decisions are made whether something's right or wrong based on whether or not they'll have to fight a lawsuit or not. And they cave because they don't want to spend the money to fight a lawsuit. They can't stand. Schools are they're against the their backs against the wall because financially they don't want to be sued by these agencies and things. And so what does it do? It disarms us, which eventually destroys us. It destroys us. This is the reality we are living in, and this is what we have been climbing out of. Nobody likes to hear the word COVID, but COVID changed things so dramatically in our land. It changed things dramatically. And I think about this. One of the most people groups affected by COVID were children. Now, some of you would watch church online, but I bet you there were many kids who would not sit down and watch it online, and I understand that. They're kids. The schools had to shut down. They were forced to shut down, and they had to come up with something online. And, of course, the kids were sitting in front of the computer right here with the teacher, but over here they're on their phones. And so their education. And don't think for one minute the devil didn't use this to try to get our kids. And so how do we deal with all these changes taking place? As we embark upon a new year and we climb out of this mess that we've been in for several years because of COVID, and I'm sure COVID gets the blame for some things that probably is just an excuse. COVID is just an excuse. But how do we climb out of this mess and we go forward standing looking at 2023? Well, Paul gives us the key to remaining on track when everything around us is changing. He gives us a way that we can actually face 2023 with joy. We can finish 2023 if we live throughout the year and we stand at the end of the year with joy if we follow what the Apostle Paul has written. Paul gives us the one thing, and if you take nothing from this message today, there's one thing that I hope you get. It's the one thing that I want to preach for the remainder that God allows me to be a preacher. I'm, I'm through with entertainment stuff. I'm through with programs. I'm through with trying to, to make something wonderful. I just want to give the simple truth of the Word of God. And this is the one principle that Paul tells us. He says, the one thing that's going to keep us on track is this statement, that I may know Christ. That I may know Christ. 
You see, Paul came to the conclusion that the only thing that matters in this world and in eternity is knowing Jesus. All of his achievements are rubbish. All of his background, his education, his pedigree, all of that is rubbish. It's garbage. It's waste. It's dung. And Paul says the key to remaining faithful in the midst of a changing world was knowing Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says that He is God, that He changes not. So while the world is around us deteriorating, while the world around us is falling apart, we can remain joyful if we know Christ. How many of you have seen the movie Elf? Will Ferrell? In the movie, he's standing there in in the store, and the store says that Santa's coming, and he screams, Santa, real loud, I know him, right? And we think of that movie, and we laugh at that movie. Some of you don't find it funny. I think it's hilarious, I'm just saying. But it's funny how that little phrase is important, because if you could just see this, if you know Jesus Christ, everything is going to be okay. If you know Jesus Christ, everything is going to be fine for you. Whenever anything is falling apart around you, you can remain faithful by knowing Jesus Christ. But now, let's be honest. Isn't it difficult to maintain that singular focus in the everyday life? When everything is falling apart and things are falling apart in your family, things are falling apart in your life, financially, your job, whatever, it's hard to maintain that, isn't it? It's easy to stand up here and preach it, but it's very difficult. But I want to show you something. Paul shows us a way that we can keep this singular focus all throughout our life that means everything is going to be okay. This will make 2023 the best year ever if I can just do these things. Now, how does he tell us to do it? Well, first of all, he tells us in verses 11 through 13 to forget the past. If you will, allow me to go back to verse... uh, Let me go... just, Just bear with me for a moment. Let me read verses 4 and following. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so... Paul says of himself, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal. I persecuted the church, concerning righteousness, which is the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, yea, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, And count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, 
if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, would you agree with me in 2022, there are some things that we would like to forget, right? Sure. Because we automatically always go right to the negative. But Paul was not being so negative. He was also talking about those things that might be negative, but he was alluding also to his pedigree and all that he had done as a Jew. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was zealous. Pertaining to the law, he kept the law. And so what Paul is saying is, if we're going to keep knowing Christ and moving forward, we have to forget those things. And first of all, I would tell you, we have to forget the things of accomplishment. Shawnee Hills Baptist Church in 2023 cannot live on what we did in 2010 or even what we did in 2022. I will take you to multiple churches that were once thriving churches that had hundreds of members that now barely have enough to keep the doors open because they could not forget the past and they had to take everything that was happening and force it into this mold that was 20, 30 years ago that worked back then that won't work now. If we're going to know Jesus Christ, then we have to be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives. And it might not be the way we've always done it. We have a... Each generation comes along and they're excited for Christ and they do innovative things and... And they reach people for the gospel of Christ. And they continue down the road. And things change culturally, morally things change. And they don't change their approach and how they deal with people and how they minister to people. And they become irrelevant because they're more concerned with the methodology that they used than they are the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says... Forget those things. All that is rubbish. Everything that I've accomplished in the past is rubbish. I stand and I look at 2023 and everything behind me is rubbish. One of my good friends says, when you're driving in your car, your windshield is much larger than your rearview mirror. And that is perfect. You don't drive around looking in your rearview mirror. If you do, you're going to have a bump in the road or hit something. Yet in life, we drive our lives looking in the rearview mirror. I think Craig Edwards, who is a pastor down in Virginia, he said this, talking about the good old days, and Bryce laughs at me because I repeat it a lot, but talking about the good old days, he said, what is the good old days? The good old days are whatever period of time you overly romanticize as being the time that was right with God. Do you realize the first century church did not sit in an auditorium with microphones and pianos and all of this? 
Do you know that they had church in every house and in the temple? Every day. It wasn't this American modernized church where here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, and here's the people. It wasn't that. But you know what? They turned the world upside down. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Acts when they speak of Peter. And he said, they looked at them and he said, they perceived them to be ignorant and unlearned men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. Now, here's the problem. In our culture today, everybody be all pouting around because they said that they were ignorant and unlearned men rather than being joyful and counting it a blessing that they had taken note that they had been with Jesus Christ. Forget your accomplishments. Secondly, I would tell you to forget your failures. Anybody mess anything up in 2022? All right. Anybody lie in 2022? Or 2023, I should say. We've had failures in the past, but you know what? Failures cannot stop you. I love the game of baseball. And baseball is a hard sport. And those that don't play baseball, they think baseball is not a hard sport. They think, well, you just, it's just hitting a ball. Do you know that lifetime Hall of Famers have a batting average of 333? Do you realize that means that 70% of the time they failed and they're still in the Hall of Fame? 70% of the time they failed and they're still in the Hall of Fame. Someone has told me, your character is not revealed in what it takes to get you going. Your character is revealed in what it takes to stop you. And sometimes we have let things that we have done in the past, as, and we failed, we've let them stop us from doing what God has called us to do. Friend, I'm telling you this. If God's called you to do something, even if you've messed up, you better do it until He tells you not to do it. Because you're going to stand before Him and give an account. That's all I've got to say about that. So I would tell you this, if you want to grow and know in Christ this year, I would say, forget the past. It's over. Let it go. Number two, looking to what lies ahead. In verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. If you're reaching forward to something, that means your head, your eyes, and your hands are going in that direction. Looking to what lies ahead. I've already told you the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Just maybe what God wants to do through you this year is more significant than He has ever wanted to do in your life in the past. But if you're dwelling on the past and you could care less about the future and what He's going to do with you this year, then you'll probably be miserable all year. See, I am convinced that we cannot have joy apart from knowing Jesus. Knowing is not a head knowledge of Him. It's an experiential knowledge of Him day by day by day. And I will tell you this, I am needy. I am needy to the bone. 
I need Him more than every hour. Sometimes minute by moment, I need the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know me and I have to live with me. And you know the Bible tells us in John chapter 15, without Him, we can do nothing. Nothing. Jesus is more than something we add to the end of, the, of our prayers. Jesus is more than this fictional thing that we sing and pray about. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh who is in heaven right now making intercession for you and me. He is our advocate. Every time Satan deceit, uh, accuses us, as the Bible calls him, the accuser of the brethren, Jesus stands up and says, Father, it's covered under the blood. I object. He is your advocate, and He is holy God. How often do we sit down and we say, Okay, Lord, even just thinking about the day, Father, I'm going out into this world in an ever-changing world, and things are falling apart, and I'm asking you, help me to be aware of the opportunities today. Help me to keep looking forward and not revert to looking backward. When's the last time you or I ever just got on our knees before we left the house and prayed, God, use me today for your glory. Help me to see what you want me to see. Help me to say what you want me to say. You see, we don't want to give control to Him. We want to be in control of our lives. And yet, the more control I have of my life, the more miserable I am with myself. God will help us understand His opportunities. We don't even ask Him. John chapter 15 says, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. Now, of course, the flesh wants to say, well, I want this, I want that, I want this. For material purposes, James says you're asking amiss. When's the last time we prayed for someone sincerely, God, I pray that you would save their soul. God, I pray that you would just help me to witness to them. God, use me in your work today. Help me to move forward in 2023 knowing that I want to know you and I want to walk with you daily. I want to be with you. The third thing he tells us is pressing toward the finish line. Look at verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know much about basketball. I know that some of you find this hard to believe, but I'm short. And, I, and I've uh, never really been a good basketball player. I went to South Point, I wrestled, and we called them round ballers. But anyways, I know something about a full court press. I know that's an intense defense where you are on the, actually as a defender, you're on the offense attacking the offense. You are pressing them. Is that right, Eugene? Okay, thank you. Um, I was making sure. But that idea of that intensely being on the offensive is important. We're pressing toward the mark. What is the mark? The mark is not heaven. The goal is not heaven. Please hear me out. If you're saved, there's nowhere else you're going. You're going to heaven. The goal is not heaven. Goal is, heaven is secured through Christ. The goal is to be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is the thing. I press toward the goal, which is the finish line. The finish line. Being all that Christ wants me to be. Listen, we should all want to finish well. 
It's not all who start the race that matters. It's who finishes the race. Our, our land is all messed up. I get it. But it's wrong. Participation awards are... It's, it's crazy. Well, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, and we, we've got a bunch of people that can't even handle when someone says something about them because they've been raised to have participation awards and all this stuff. Yes, I said it. We should all want to finish well. We should not be happy in losing. I mean, I wouldn't want to be on a team where all the guys come together and say, yeah, we're just, we, just, we just want to go out here and lose. Are you kidding me? We should all want to finish well. Listen, culture may change, but knowing Christ doesn't. That's pressing towards the finish line. Our ministry has to be an overflow of our relationship with Christ. Hear me, that's not just saying, I'm not just saying words. The ministry we do here has to be an overflow of our relationship with Christ. I grew up in a church and our church was good and I loved our church and I'm thankful for our church. But there were some things that were whacked. I'm just being honest with you. We went to this soul winning training and uh, this guy taught us how to be soul winners. And when you won 50 soul winners, you got a a silver pin and 100, you got a gold pin and all this. Everybody's walking around these pens thinking they're masterful soul winners. And it was, it was devoid of Christ. Where are the men and women who when they talk about Jesus Christ, they well up and they have a tear. And their heart's just beaming with love. My next door neighbor, Ted Bussey, every time I talk to him, somehow... Our, our conversation comes around to Christ and church. And when he speaks of Jesus Christ, he has a tear running down his cheek. See, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit right there is not the Holy Spirit. It means with emotion, with passion. There was a grown man. I was watching, there was a football game on last night. I don't know if you know that or not, but um, I was watching it on television. And there was a grown man for the other team, that team down south there, and he was, had his young daughter with him there in the stands, and for some unknown reason, he had taken his shirt off. I mean, at a football game, is about the only place you can go and paint your chest, take your shirt off in public, and everybody thinks it's wonderful. Grown men painting their faces and dressing up, I'll never figure it out. But they're so, they're so screaming so loudly. My son-in-law was watching that communist sport ups. Soccer? Yeah. Um, and they, um, they had that uh, penalty kick and all this. And I was standing there watching the crowd. You realize how many thousands of people were in that, those stands screaming? And they go to concerts and everybody's screaming and yelling. And we talk about Jesus so flippantly. We talk about our, our favorite hobby and we talk about oh, how we do this, that, and the other. And our likes and our dislikes. Man, we can, we can describe them in detail. And when we mention Jesus, it's just bland. You see what we're missing, guys? Listen, we've become good at this. We've got teachers that can teach, singers that can sing, preachers that can preach. We've got all this in our land. And what we're missing is the relationship with Christ. I watched that documentary, and person after person after person who was a victim of that church 
said when we went there, man, all we wanted, we just wanted to be a part of a family that cared about us, that could help us, that we could grow spiritually with. And over and over and over, they were abused and all that. I'm thinking, in the name of Christ. But man, they're big and everybody wants to go there because they're big and we got this praise team. Listen, you give me a men and women like we have who love the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll stand with them over any professional group any day. Our ministry has to be an overflow. If we're going to finish well, it has to be about knowing Christ. The one constant in our lives is Jesus. He never changes. And Paul says, that's the secret. That's how I could move from Judaism and persecuting the church and not caring what they said about me to now being one who's taking the gospel to the Gentiles. I don't care about all that stuff. I care about Christ. And it's the pressing, it's the focusing on Jesus Christ that kept Him faithful and that will keep us faithful. Methods change, culture changes, but our focus on Christ never changes. And you say, well, but Paul's different. Paul was like super Christian. Really? What does Paul say then next? Look, look there with me in verse 15. Therefore, based on all what he said... Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Think the same way. I'm going to let that go. I'm going <coughs> to move towards the, 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 press toward the finish line. Paul challenges other believers to have the same mind. We're going to be faced with uncertainty. We're going to be faced with unrest. We're going to be faced with apathy all around us. What do we do? We keep pressing toward the mark of knowing Christ. We keep pressing forward. We're going to have to take three steps forward sometimes and two steps backwards. Well, but we keep turning around and we keep moving forward. We keep moving forward. And I would have to say... If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's going to be difficult for you to press anywhere. Have you believed in Him for your salvation? I love it. I love it. Paul, Silas are in prison, and they're singing at night, and all of a sudden an earthquake happens, the chains fall off, the doors open. And the jailer knows what's awaiting him. It's on his watch. If they're gone, he deserves to die. He's going to do the admirable thing in their culture, and he's going to take his own life. He pulls the sword up, and he gets ready to take his own life. And Paul says, no, don't do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the Philippian jailer goes to Paul and says, Sirs, most pointed question in all the Scripture, what must I do to be saved? Now, what did the Apostle Paul say? I want you to get saved, baptized, speak in tongues, blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't say any of that. He said you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing is not saying, oh, yeah, I believe there's a God. No, it's saying that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for me. I deserve to go to hell, but because he died and went, uh, went to the grave and arose from the grave by the same power, if I trust him for my eternal salvation, he will save me. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you today to open your heart and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a believer, let me ask you this. Are you walking with Him daily? How are you going to know, how are you going to know Jesus if you're not walking with Him daily? 
I mean, I'll be honest with you. It would be great, like I plug in my phone at night. When I go to bed, I plug it in and go to bed, and I wake up in the morning, it's got a full battery. Wouldn't that be great if you could plug into heaven at night? And while you were sleeping, man, you were just like full of spirit and wake up in the morning? That's not the way it works. But you can plug into him. How do you plug into him? Well, first of all, you've got to open this book, the Word of God. You've got to open this book. I was watching Dr. Jeremiah this morning having my coffee. I love Dave Jeremiah, and he was speaking on the Bible. Do you know that over, according to his, his uh, estimations or whatever, whatever, however he got these statistics, there are 26 million copies of the Scripture sold every year. Every year it remains the all-time best-selling book. Voltaire, who was back in those days, said that the book was archaic and it would be done away with. And at the very place where he said it would be done away with, they began to print Bibles years later. And it became a printing place for the Word of God. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like this book. This book is not just a book that someone wrote. It's not just a book of fairy tales. This is the eternal Word of God. It is inspired. The Holy Spirit is the author, moved upon men and used men. And the words were penned here. It's settled in heaven forever. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. You can't go forward with Christ this year if you're not reading His Word. Now listen to me. I, I try to read the Bible through every year. And I'm just a little off, but I'm not quitting. I'm in 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to finish it, and then I'll start over again. Don't get discouraged. I'm not, if you, get in the Word of God every day. Get in the Word of God. Listen, you can download apps and the Bible. They'll read the Bible to you. Instead of listening to that news, getting your mind all jacked up... Get in the Word of God. Let it read it to you. Are you walking with Him in prayer? I mean prayer. I see myself. Jesus is in the garden and He tells the disciples, you all stay here, I'm going over here to pray. You all stay here and watch and pray. And He goes over and prays a little bit and He comes back and they're asleep. Now, in us, all of us, we're like, whoa, whoa. I would never do that if I were with Jesus. Oh, come on, man. You'd be the first one snoring. And I would too. That's why the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Very specific. He didn't say, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Are you walking with Him daily? Let me ask you, number two, are you growing in your knowledge of Him? Are you growing? Do you know more about Jesus today than you did yesterday? Do you love Jesus more today than you did yesterday? If not, you're sinning. You say, well, that's judgmental. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you what the Word says. Take it up with Him if you don't like it. I would ask you, are you serving Him? Are you serving Him? The funny thing about the, new, the early church, if you read through the book of Acts... I mean, it is exploding. The early church is exploding. Now watch this. We're just about done. I know I've been a little longer than normal, but just hang with me just one second. The church is exploding. They didn't have to coerce anyone to do anything. 
They didn't have to say, come on, come on, are you serving the Lord? No, they gladly served the Lord because they had an intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you will want to do for Him. If you don't want to do anything at all for Jesus, it might just be you're further away from Christ than you should be. I'll leave that there. Are you sharing Jesus with others? Are you sharing Jesus with others? Anybody here go through basic training? Did any of you have your spouse or a girlfriend? Well, never mind. I don't want to start opening that can of worms. Let's just drop that. Remember mail call? When you got that mail call, you got that piece of mail, and you opened it, and you read it, and you read it, and you told your friends about it. You know, if you and I love Jesus like we should and we're close to him, we'll have no problem telling others about him. Now listen to me. There's a way to witness and there's not a way to witness. I was with a fella who was in the hospital and he said this. He said, I've been witnessing this guy with long hair and telling him he needs to get his heart right with God and get his hair cut. That, ain't, that, that has nothing to do with it. When you and I witness to somebody, it has to do with their eternal salvation and whether or not they believe in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this final question. Would you look up here just for a second? Is Jesus part of your life? Or is Jesus your life? Is Jesus just part of your life? Or is Jesus your life? Listen, He will not be your life until you understand and believe that everything else is rubbish, garbage, or waste. The funny thing as I get older, the funny thing I learn, I'm learning, I haven't learned, excuse me, I'm learning, is that the more stuff you have is just more of an obligation. It's just more in the way. It just more, and, and, and it's good for a little bit, and the newness wears off, and then it lies in a corner, or in a closet, or in a garage. He will not be your life until you understand and believe that everything else is rubbish, garbage, or waste. I close and ask you these two questions. First of all, have you believed in Him for eternal salvation? If you have not, I would like to show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. There are men in this church, women in this church, that will meet you up here with an open Bible and show you how you can be saved. fact is, we can take you to another room so you can be alone. If you have believed in Jesus for your salvation, I ask you this very pointed. You don't have to answer it to me. You don't have to be accountable to me. This is between you and Christ. He knows your heart. You cannot lie to Him. Have you counted everything as lost for the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ? Or do you think everything is great plus Jesus? The question is this. Is He just part of your life? Or is He your life? If He's not your 
life. He's just part of your life. Today, He can be your life if you'll surrender. And I will tell you this, 2023 will be joyful. No matter what happens, you can have joy because your joy will be tied to knowing Him, not to what's going on in the ever-changing, hectic, hellish world. Would you pray with me?